The book is uh, Technology Addiction, and the author is Michael Shelby, who practices. He's a counselor of practices in West Hartford, and you know uh, he joins us now in studio. Michael, thanks for coming in, first of all. Thank you for having me, Brian. You know, I, I, I'm a parent of three teenagers, and so I'm in the thick of this, but also it's for myself, too. This is not just about our children. I mean, this is about everybody. And before we get into the meat and potatoes, my, my thesis is basically like recognition is one thing, but actually doing anything about it is... It's a whole different animal. But how did you get to where you are now, which is a counselor who wrote this book? Like, what's your journey? <laughs> this book and my life's journey and what I do today is the intersection of only two things that I know in life. One is technology, and the other one is an addiction. So at the intersection of technology addiction, since technology addiction, I had very good luck to start working with Dr. David Greenfield, who published the very first book called Virtual Addiction back in 1999. Yeah, he mentioned that in the foreword here. That is correct. And I started working with Dr. Greenfield back in 2002 and 2003 in this arena and this field. And that is what led me on my journey to go back to school, to get a psychology degree, to get licensed here in the state of Connecticut, to open up my own practice, and start working with people when I started recognizing the extent of this problem and this issue. You know, when Mr. Greenfield started, it was about the internet, right? That is and, right. And, and then we were talking, our producer, Matt Soroyes, and I were talking earlier, because we talked a lot about the book today. And, you know, and he said, you know, when did it really become a massive issue and before I mentioned that you know, Mr. Greenfield started with the internet, he talked about like the iPhone and, mm-hmm. and having a, basically a, a massive personal computer in your hands. Is, is, is that when it, it became so mask, when everything became so mass consumable that it became something so open to addiction? It has been building steadily from the onset of the internet. And it started with gaming, with games. Games are very much fun. Anything that is fun will give us nice hit of dopamine to the brain. Caffeine, right. nicotine, heroin, marijuana, right. <laughs> alcohol, sex, food, drugs, rock right. and roll, whatever right, right, rocks right. your boat. Anything that feels good, we're biologically wired to repeat over and over and over again. That's majority of us. Over 90% of the people will take it, say, oh, that feels good. That felt great. I'll do it again three months from now. When I get a chance, 12 months from now, about 10% of us globally, we're wired a little bit differently. We get that hip said, I got to do it again right now in twice the dosage. Those are the people. Those are the people that started with gaming. A lot of porn came online. Relationships, shopping, gambling came online. You know how big sports gambling is right now. All of that, when you combine it with pervasive presence of these screens, Internet is available to us 24-7. Yeah. High-speed, broadband, available to you in your pocket. Anything that you want to indulge in, anything that feels good, and you just whip it out yep. and do it right then and there. Hit the buy button. Go to Pornhub.com. Go to gambling site. Yeah, play, you said porn and gambling. I mean, we have to take a quick break, but mm-hmm. porn and gambling are like the 24-7. Like, there's no 24/7. time. Like, sports betting, people miss the point. Like, sports betting, you have to have a game. Uh-huh. But, like... You can play blackjack at 2 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, and you can lose your, all your money in your bank account at 2 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon. You can watch porn all day long and ruin every relationship in your life. I mean, that can happen 24-7. 24-7 at high speed of LTE connection yeah. at this point. So the so, people that are susceptible to this are very exposed. And vulnerable. And vulnerable. And they're caught in this dopamine cycle. So 
what we're going to do is I you know we have to take we have to do as we want to do weather and traffic here a lot mm-hmm. and it's important stuff for people who are getting on their way but the question we're going to address next is okay so what what do you do mm-hmm. and so we'll we'll get and we can't sum up a whole book in one 10 minute conversation but that's what we'll address next back here with you know, a really interesting conversation on and off mic with Michael Shelby. And the book is Technology Addiction, A Guide to Recognize and Deal with Technology Dependence in Our Lives. And, you know, I guess, you know, we don't have a lot of time. So it's like any addiction, no matter how how far you fall or how manageable it is, you, you're not going to affect change until the person decides to make change. Exactly. And I don't, you know, for me, like I, I'm dealing with my teenagers and eBay, whether it's eBay, TikTok, um, YouTube, and for me, it's a whole bunch of different things. It's just more habitual. Like it's the first thing I touch when I wake up, and you know, and and this and that. How, how do you ap- approach making change when you don't really want to change? Pain is the touchstone of change, unless and until there is a compelling reason to do something about it. People don't. It is a distraction. It is. Just something to do when you're bored. When you're bored, reach for your phone. There's always fresh, new, very exciting content available to you right there, the push of a button. No waiting at all. No delay. Instant gratification, which reminds us of what? Drugs. Instant gratification. Dopamine hit is instant gratification. Shot of whiskey. Instant gratification. Spreading warmth. That is what folks are after, this instant gratification. So long as people are able to, they have the brakes. Like I said, those 90% of the people. Is it really 90-10? Is it really? It's pretty much. Maybe 80-20. Yeah. 80-20, 90-10. Vast majority of people do not have problems with substances. Vast majority of people. Vast majority. Or they might, and then there's a chunk of who might have problems, but they can manage it in a way that doesn't become um, rock bottomy. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 right. If there is a compelling reason, spouse is complaining. They don't see you. Don't see your kids. They don't want to play with. They're afraid of you if you come home, inebriated, or you're always in your phone, and you don't see your kids. Yeah. Until and unless there is a reason, law gets involved. Domestic situation, health situation. Make no mistakes about it. Technology addiction can cause serious health issues, from high blood pressure to obesity to you name it. People sitting there playing games 17 hours a day, eating munches, drinking sodas. What's going to happen to that young body? They're going to balloon out to 450 pounds, can't move, blood pressure goes through the roof. You know, all of the medical situations and problems that compel people to go into rehab or something. There are rehabs. There are inpatient rehabs for technology addiction. There's Reset available on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, and there are global networks of inpatient and outpatient services that are available at this point to deal with this specific problem. Okay. Just like there's Hazel on the Betty Ford. So is, is the book available on Amazon? Absolutely. Okay, so Michael Shelby's book, Technology Addiction, uh, a guide to recognize and deal with technology dependence in our lives. And, and, and if people want to talk to you, you, you practice out of West Hartford. And I, the thing I wanted to ask you, if it's okay to talk about what we talked off mic, is you said that the number of teenagers mm-hmm. coming to you Exploded. We talk ad nauseum on the show about how the pandemic was tough on our kids. Mm-hmm. It was tough on my kids. I, I saw, it. like you said, it, your practice exploded among kids. You know, after the pandemic, can you talk a little bit about that? During and after the pandemic, the social hammock, the interaction, physical IRL interaction, 
between young people is a biological, psychological, emotional, and physical necessity. This is how we grow. This is how we learn. By playing around, pushing, running, hitting ball with a stick, out on play yard, out on fresh air. That has been removed. When the schools got shut down, 12 months, 16 months, 18 months, and the kids were stuck behind a Chromebook, looking, not even looking at the droning teacher they don't care about, right. while looking at the YouTube on their uh, phone and playing you know, World of Warcraft on the on right, right and being bored out of their skull, not paying any attention. I had a patient, 13-year-old, who comes in and he explained it best after working with me for a while. He spread out his fingers like this. He goes, I have my thumb and my forefinger spread out. He goes, I'm not crazy and I'm not suicidal, but I'm not happy. Mm. And so I pointed in the middle and said, so where are you? He goes, I'm numb. Mm. I am numb. And in order, numbness feels to young people like pain. They are ripped out of their social environment and they have nothing to replace it with except constant amusement on the screens. But now we're out of it though. Like but so we're not out of it. We're not out of it. Because when they went back right. to school, they're like, now what do we do? We want to do this, but we have to go back to school, but we have to be masked, but we have to be separated, but we can't play around. Now it's sort of kind of changing. They are confused now. A lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of depression, a lot of numbness that comes out where kids where they're coming or going. They wake up, Groundhog Day. Every day is the same. They go down to the kitchen, they get a plate of food, they bring it upstairs to their own room, shut the door, they don't want to deal with mom and dad. Mom and dad have no interest in them. They want to be with their friends. Where are their friends? Online, playing games with them. That's where their friends are. Well, when I'm in this back to home, like they're back at school, they're back at recess, they're most of them are unmasked. And I know the damage has been done, but you know, so how does it how do you how do we get the kids back to it seems like it's hard to get them to prefer to go outside and play as opposed to the other option. They need to have a reason to do that. It has to be more fun than the fun of the next latest and greatest. That uh, might not be possible for, uh, for a lot of people. <laughs> Good point. And that's the point I'm making in my book. Internet is here to stay. This is more akin. You, we, you know, we know about AA. We know about NA. Yeah. You can live without alcohol. You can live without drugs. What about OA? Overeaters Anonymous. You can't live without food. You can't live. Can't eat. quit food. Yeah. You have to. Can you have to eat to live? Internet is like that. Email is here to stay. Internet is here to stay. Google is here to stay. Online work and online study is here to stay. How to manage it and live a life? That's the question. Let me ask you your opinion. We're talking yes. with Michael Shelby. The book is Technology Addiction: A Guide to Recognize and Deal with Technology Dependence in Our Lives. We only have a couple minutes. And I don't know if you can answer this, but you can't ignore it. Like, you just said it. You just said it's like food. You can't live without it, most likely. So for me, and my kids are teenagers now, but, like, do you have an opinion on how to introduce technology into families and to kids and how to deal with it? Because I feel like strict limits don't work and, you know, having their own phone and I mean, we can't enforce putting the phone outside your room at the end of the day. Like, how do you think we should parent initiating technology in their lives. Brian, just like you, I'm a father as well. You got three, I got two. Mine are 30 and 28 this year. If you ask, they would be, you don't have to ask them, as a teenagers, they would come to you and complain loudly to you. We're living in a digital Auschwitz, according to my children. Why? Because I'm a technology person. In my house, internet shut down at 11 o'clock. They didn't like that, any. You are evil. 
you are cruel. You are doing this to punish us. Nobody else is doing it. For the rest of our peers, internet is open 24-7. Today, at 30 and 28, they're grateful, saying, thank God we had that. We have a life today. We ride snowmobiles. We like dogs. We're walking. So you're saying put put limits and enforce the limits? Is that what you're saying? Boundaries, structure. Kids don't like it as teens. They know everything. They are adults as teenagers. But the boundaries allow them to push and learn what the boundaries are. House chores, dinners with a family without screens, cooking together, cleaning together, taking out the garbage, taking family walks, taking dog for a walk, sports without screens, being part of a team, all of that, all of that will allow the person to develop 360, to develop all around. There's a healthy exposure to technology and there's a healthy exposure to life, real life that's happening out there. See, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like my kids play on sports teams mm-hmm. and they don't do a ton in the, around the house. We, we have trouble getting family meals, but we, we try to have some boundaries. I feel like we're still f- failing, but... I, I, I mean, I, that's Start what, small. Start small. You know, I know. I feel <laughs> family dessert. Start with family. Everybody you likes know, we talked about it too. It's like I have my third kid is 13 now. It's like part of me is I'm sort of feel exhausted as a parent. Oh, and yeah. so, and so like the, the, uh, the wherewithal to make the hard choices and deal with that conflict, sometimes you're choosing the path of least resistance. And a lot of parents do that. You explain why you're doing it. You talk with them. When I talk with 13 year olds or 11 or six, I have six year old patients and nine year old patients and 11 and 13. Believe it or not, I talk with them like an adult, but I'm not their parent. But I treat them as as they love it. When I talk and explain why are we doing this and take the concept of punishment out of it. It's not to annoy you. It's not to bother you. It's not to punish you. It is for us to grow closer together. and, And we demonstrate, we model what we do by taking our own screens, leaving it out, right. not bringing it to the table, not shaking it constantly. We model. They do what we do, not what we say. So we got to go. Yes. Uh, it's a great conversation. Thank you, Brian. I'd like to have you back. I'll come back. And the book is Technology Addiction, A Guide to Recognize and Deal with Technology Dependence in Our Lives. Michael Shelby, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian, for having me.